Colossians chapter 2 is a great passage of the Scripture. Colossians chapter 2 is Apostle Paul writing to a church he never went to. He writes to two churches, Colossae and Laodicea. Now, Laodicea, of course, would be a very popular church in the Asia Minor. But he probably led people to Christ that went there, and the church was started indirectly, not directly by him, but indirectly through those he had won to Christ. He wanted to encourage them. And I love the book of Colossians. It challenges us to make Christ a preeminent in our lives, not just prominent, not just, not just a hobby, but to make him everything. And may we be complete in him. And this is where we get the song, complete in thee and, and uh, complete in Christ, because it says, ye are now complete in him. But I want to focus, if we can, please, just for a few moments and kind of pick the text, chapter 2, verse number 6. Would you read it out loud with me? Everyone together. Are you ready? As ye have therefore... As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Christ Jesus. I want to speak to you this evening a little bit about walking in Christ Jesus. You can tell a lot about how someone walks. You can tell about, man, I remember, never forget, the, I, didn't, I didn't read this right, but I remember Linda and I, we had, a, we had a friend of ours, his name is Joe, and he was riding from uh, Long Beach to Orange County every day to work for Marriott Reservations. He sat across the bus every day with a young lady. Her name was Celestina. She was originally from Guyana, South America. And he would invite her to church over and over again. And he said, look, pray for this girl named Celestina. I want her to come to church. And it was a special day. I don't know if it was Easter or a special push. And she said, okay, I'll go. And she came and he was so excited. And I was excited. Linda was excited. We got to meet her. It was wonderful. On a Tuesday night visitation, Linda and I made the visit, went over to her apartment, and it had, an, it had a security gate, and you had to go in the gate, and it was the last apartment on the right. We sat down with Celestine and began to tell her about Jesus, and to tell her the gospel. I said, can I share with you? And she said, you know, I'm a pretty good person, da, 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 da. and I said, well, here's what the Bible says. And I went through it. At the end, I, I thought she was going to get saved, but she didn't. She got mad. She said, you got a lot of nerve, Pastor. I said, what do you mean? She goes, you come to my apartment, you sit here, and you spend like 25 minutes telling me about how bad I am. I am not bad. I know some bad people, and I'm not one of them. You know, you know you're making it sound like I'm, like I'm a sinner or something. I am not. I know sinners. My ex-husband's a sinner. He said, but I am not a sinner. He goes, this, this, is, this, is, this is getting me mad. I said, Celestina, please, let's stop right here. What I've done is try to show you the Bible. But obviously, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm trying to show you what the Scripture says. So, Cena, I hope you just let what I shared with you from the Bible. If I said it for myself, then you can take or leave it. But if it's from the Bible, you ought to listen to it. And I hope it won't keep you from coming to church. Because we still we enjoyed having you. I hope you'll come again. Don't use this as an offense why you can't come on Sunday. We'll be looking forward to having you. Joe will be glad to have you. His wife will be glad to have you. Why don't you come? She said, well, I'll think about it. And sure enough, next Sunday she came. She sat on the right-hand side and maybe about five or, five or seven rows back or so. And she sat there and, and she listened and, and uh, I shook her hand away out. And she was kind of cold, but, but not unkind. The next week she did the same. The fourth Sunday she came back, um, at the invitation I came down to the front. I stood at the front and that lady started walking very fast. I thought she was going to punch me out. I could not figure out what was going to happen. And she was just walking, just 
like this really fast right to me. And I thought, oh man, this is going to be a scene right here in church. But she walked real fast and then she just stopped abruptly in front of me and she said, Pastor. I said, yes, Lestina. She said, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a bad, bad sinner. She said, can you help me? I said, oh yeah, I can help you. She and a lady named Mary Rivera took the Bible and took her over here to the left and explained the gospel and she accepted the Lord as her Savior. She's a sweet friend to us to this day, and she's been used to bring other people to Christ. But I'll never forget how she walked. I, I, I didn't judge her. I thought she was going to hurt me. But boy, when you see people walk, you can kind of tell there's something there. You know, when, some, you know, when I'm broke, you can tell I walk. You know, if you got a little money, you got a little spring in your step, you know. feel pretty good about myself. Well, the Bible says, if you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you, walk ye in him. Walk in the Lord. And this is a big deal. This is a big deal. I, I think that probably, and I love what God does at First Baptist Church. I love to see his blessings corporately. But the truth of the matter is, what we need to see is God's blessings individually. And that is not because Brother Eddie walks with the Lord or Brother Wes or our deacons or uh, our staff members or, or the people at the school. No, no, that's when everybody walks with God. And it's a wonderful walk. You know, we think about Enoch. Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Here's a guy known. He went on to walk with God and God said, I don't think we're going back home. Let's just go to my home. Let's just walk on to heaven. Come on. And he walked with God. That's what he was known for. Wouldn't it be good if we were known for walking with the Lord? I imagine it's a big game changer in how you conduct yourself as a son, as a daughter, as a Christian, as a citizen. But Paul tells this group of people that he's never been to personally. He only indirectly has led many of them to Christ, and they find their way in Colossae. He says, look... As you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in him. With that in mind, I want to just talk to you just for a few moments. What uh, is vital to walk with the Lord? If you're going to walk with the Lord, I'm going to walk with God. What do I need first? What's the vital thing? Number one, you have to have received the Lord Jesus Christ to walk with him. I, I, would, I would have got everybody in here. I, one of the things that sometimes that come to my mind is to look around heaven for people that I knew that I thought were saved and they were not. That would be challenging. Every once in a while you hear someone say, uh, some older pastor said, man, I tell you, I'm not sure how many real, true, saved people there are in our services. I'm like, oh no, don't say that. When you read Matthew chapter 7, many shall say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. They know him. But he'll say, I never knew you. Heard a story of a lady, and she, she, came, she got involved in church, and she just loved it. She loved the social aspect. She got into the choir, started singing the choir. She loved the songs. She loved the purity of the people and the friendliness, and she just kind of blended into the church, and she loved everything about it. And then she went to a Sunday school class. By the way, are you in a Sunday school class? Be a good idea to be in a Sunday school class. In a Sunday school class, her teacher started talking about a real relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And it began to bother her deeply. Because she, she got kind of used to the culture. She kind of liked the singing. She liked the, the missionary prayer time. She enjoyed the WMS. All that was fine. What she did not have, she had all of the phylacteries without the Christ. And she said, what a relieving day it was, Pastor, when I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And it wasn't just a culture. It was a, a lifestyle with Jesus. It was walking with Jesus. But the first thing to walk with Christ, you must have received him. Do you remember when that was? And I'm not here to challenge anybody's salvation. You know when you got saved. I know when I got saved. And if you don't know when you got saved, it's probably because you weren't there. And that needs to happen. But there is nothing in the world worth going to hell over. Don't let pride or procrastination keep you. And some of you, you're stirred up about it. And I'm not, I'm not here to keep you in trying to get false professions or even someone to get scared. I just want you to make sure you know that you're saved. Because you're not going to walk with God if you do not, if you do not, have you not received him. Talked to a man this week, he's 67 years old, began to talk to him and said, tell me what God did to save you. He said, he said, Pastor, I've been in church since I was a kid. But I didn't get saved until I was 61 years old. He said, I, I really probably thought I was saved. Someone tell me I'd say, Pastor asked me, I'd raise my hand. He said, but one Sunday, the pastor got up and said, you know, people that are born again, they want to please their father. They want a relationship with their father. They want a relationship with the Bible. They want a relationship. They want to live a pure life. They've got these things that, that, they, that are God put inside of them. He said, I was 61 years old, Pastor. And he said, I, I didn't have any of that. Oh, I knew the culture. This man was from Mississippi. He said, I'd been to church. I knew the songs. I didn't have to open a songbook. He said, I knew everything about church. I had given my, I learned to tithe habitually. But he said, man, I, I did not have a spiritual, I wasn't alive spiritually. He said, I couldn't, I could, it was bothering me Sunday afternoon, it bothered me Sunday night, it bothered me Monday night, it bothered me Tuesday night, Wednesday night. I went to my pastor and I said, Pastor, I don't think I'm saved. Said it was a great day in my life when I got it nailed down. At 61 years old. Boy, I'm glad he didn't die when he was 59. 43. Glad God was merciful to him. And God is merciful to us. But you can't walk with God to your first. What's vital is you have to receive him. Number two, I want you to see that walking with God is valuable. See, we'll fight for things and we'll go after things if we think there's value. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, you're familiar with it, without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. But him that coming to God must believe that he is. That he really is who he said he is. He's the Savior. That's salvation. But also that he is a rewarder. You heard the story in the Bible that Jesus told about a man walking through a field and he starts kicking around and he finds that there is a lot of treasure buried in that field. He finds that in this field there is unbelievable wealth. It's a barren field and he finds that in that field, if you get the field, you get all the wealth. You get all the gold and the silver and all the things there. And he went out and he sold valuable things. That, that a day before he would have never sold. 
he would have never got rid of. And he gave up things he would have never given, given rid of because, and he sold it to get enough money to buy that field. You know why? He saw the value. People who are willing to see the value will see, uh, will make the sacrifice. Many of us, as we learn to give to world evangelism and go soul winning and, and uh, read our Bible, some we, we don't read our Bible because we don't walk with God because we don't see it helps us. We don't see the value of that. What are some values of walking with God? Let's look in our text and see that. If you would, please look at verse number. Verse, uh, uh, let's see. Look at, look at verse number two of chapter two. And their hearts, this is Paul's prayer for them. Look at verse number one. For, for I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you. He said, man, I wish you knew how burdened I am for you. Boy, this is, what, this is what Brother Ricky would say to you, Chicagoland teens. I wish you knew how much I loved you and how much I wanted you to see this. This is what a Sunday school teacher would say to his class. I, wish, I want you to get this. This is what Brother Abdel would want. For our, for our students in the, in the school. And Brother Woozy would want. And Brother John Francis would want for our CB students. This is what anybody would want for anyone who loves them. I wish you knew what conflict I have for you. This is Paul's burden. Look, he says in verse number one. For them that are Laodicea. Not just you, but the other folks that live across uh, at the other town. For as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. You haven't seen me, but man, am I burdened for you. Here's what he's burdened for. Number two, that their hearts might be what? Comforted or encouraged. Being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding and to the knowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Read verse three with me out loud, everybody. In whom are hid? He said, you know what? I, I really, here's the value of walking with God. The value of walking with God is that there is wisdom and knowledge and comfort and encouragement. And there's unity. There's love. You know, oftentimes we want to we wanna be something. Wanna be, okay, I want to have wisdom. But you know, the truth of the matter is the byproduct of, of walking with God is wisdom. The shortcut to living a life fulfilling is being spirit-filled, walking with God. When we go, Brother Warren kind of chided us at the marriage retreat recently, and he preached to us. He said, look, everybody goes to a marriage retreat, and they want, they want one, two, three. Give me five things I can go home and practice. Just give me five pointers, and then I'll take those points, and then I'll put them in practice, and then I'll be spiritual. He said, that's not the way it works. Because life is more than five things. Life is, is, is hundreds of things. What we need to do is walk with God, walk in the Spirit, then we'll know what to do in each given situation. To walk with God, first of all, it's vital that we have received Him. Number two, we need to see the value. The value is there's love, there's wisdom, there's knowledge, there's comfort and encouragement that comes when we walk with God. You know, courage does not come because of who you are or who I am. Courage comes because who is with us? I was speaking to a group of men the other day, and, and you know, if you, if, when the lights go out in Hammond, and you were to walk from, from the church over, uh, over to, to the federal courthouse building there at 2 o'clock in the morning, you have reason to be a little concerned. Okay? 
Because it's just kind of, it's a little bit seedy out there sometimes. If you were going to walk through the south side of Chicago or Gary and some of those places, and I'm six foot four, 202 many pounds, but I get nervous in some areas like that. I remember one kid, I went, one guy, I was on a bus one day, and a guy, and this little kid, this little 12 year old said, he said, I got a bullet waiting for you. I was like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> he goes, my bigger brother lives in the projects. We'll be coming after you. I'm thinking, because I told you to sit down? You got a bullet waiting for me? Well, I'm telling you what, I avoided that project for some time. Because I was scared. You know, but, but, but if you're walking from downtown Hammond over the federal building at 2 o'clock in the morning, and you're walking with two friends the size of Shaquille O'Neal, and all of you are packing 45s or 9 millimeters, you can be a little cocky. But you're the same chicken-hearted person with the, with the 9 millimeter and without it. But what makes the difference is not who we are, but who's with us. There is a confidence that comes when we learn to walk with God. The fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And his children have a place of refuge. Proverbs chapter 14 reminds us that we know he's with us. We're walking with him. Because we, we all got problems. If we keep breathing, we're going to have some more problems. And what we need when those problems come is not, not a boatload of money. We need wisdom. We need understanding. We need love. Love cover the multitude of sins. We need encouragement or comfort. And that comes when we learn to walk with the Lord. So number one, is the vital thing is we must receive Jesus to walk with him. Number two, the, understand its value. There's great value. I want you to look, if you would please, that it's visible. When someone walks with God, you can tell it. You don't have to know their name. You can tell. And here's a couple things that the Bible tells us. Look at verse 7, would you please? Could you read it out loud with me, everyone? Verse number 7. Let's pick up with 6. Can we read 6 first? As ye have therefore, Christ Jesus the Lord, rooted and built up in Him, So the Bible tells us there's three things I see there. There may be more, but you can find more. But number one, someone who walks with God is, is rooted in, and built up in whom? Jesus. He's deeply committed. When something's rooted, they're, they're in, they're ingra it's ingrained. They're, 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 they're settled. The Bible tells us that somebody who is rooted and grounded in him, that's one thing you can tell and not rooted in the church. Listen, let me, just, let me just remind you of this. I love First Baptist, but if you serve God because of First Baptist, you will quit eventually. Because churches are up and down like a yo-yo. We, we, we have feast and famine. You don't, you don't, you don't uh, a church is not your, is, it, and I, I'm all for the church. I believe God gave us his word, his spirit, and his body, and all three of them are a trinity that I need for my life. But Christ is where we need to be rooted and grounded in. There are people who are rooted and grounded in church who are going to split hell wide open. There are people who have been baptized multiple times that are not saved. But you don't want to put your faith in a church. You want to put your faith in Christ. Rooted and grounded in Christ. People who walk with God are deeply committed to the Lord. 
That's the thing I think. And they're, they're committed to Christ. And whenever you're committed to Christ, you've got, you got, you got one focus, and that's to please Him. Second thing I want to encourage you with is not only will they be deeply committed to Christ, but the next thing the Bible says is they will be established in faith. Now, I know that faith is basically trusting God. But you know what it takes to be faithful? Faith. They will be faithful. One of the most beautiful things for someone who walks with God, they just are faithful. They don't, they don't need a pat in the back. It's nice to get it occasionally. They don't need a kick in the pants. Nice to needful sometimes. They just are faithful men and women of God. And when you walk with God, He gives you reason and impetus and strength to be faithful. Number one, to be rooted and grounded in Jesus. Number two, they'll be established in the faith. Number three, they'll be grateful people. Thanksgiving is the word God uses. They'll, they'll, they'll have gratitude. Someone said, when the fires of gratitude die out in the heart of a man, that man is well nigh hopeless. One of the most, one of the most ungrateful places to be is the welfare office. And I'm, 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 I don't have a problem with welfare. Every once in a while somebody needs that, and that's fine. But I went, I, went, I went to one time to make a visit with another man, and I was there to help him with a, to, to get some things going. And I'm not kidding you, everybody was mad in that room. I want my money. Hey, woman, where are you going to help me? Everybody was just fired up. The truth of the matter is everybody ought to be a grateful. If there's anybody in the world ought to be grateful, it's you and me. And when we walk with God, when he's big, we're little, and we have to see how much he does for us, and we become grateful. So I think, I think the visible part of someone who walks with God, they're deeply committed to Christ. They have, they're established in faithfulness. They just do, they're just doing the right thing the right way, on and on and on. And then they have gratitude. Well, we ought to be so thankful. Husbands, thank your wives. Wives, thank your husbands. Kids, thank your mom and dad. You, your seniors taking off this evening. I, I hope you'll, you won't just rush on the bus. You'll stop and turn around to your mom and dad and say thanks. I wouldn't have ever, ever even got to a senior in high school if it weren't for you. Thank you for giving me a time to go. Putting up with my shenanigans and my attitude sometimes. I need you to know I love you and I appreciate you. Thanksgiving means having a thankful heart, but giving the thanks. Oh, how we wish... That God would help us. I, I think it's an outgrowth. It's a, it's a visible thing we can see in someone who walks with God. Then the last thing I want you to, to talk about, there's, there's, there has to be vigilance. First of all, I want you to know what's vital. You have to be saved. You have to see it as a valuable thing because it gives all the attributes we need. It's visible. People can see your walk with God is obvious because you'll be rooted and grounded in Christ. You'll be a grateful person. And then you'll be faithful. The last thing he says, I want you, in context, he says, I want you to be vigilant because there's several enemies to walking with God. Look, if you would please, at the first one we see, and that's verse number four. Read it with me. Colossians 2, verse 4. You ready? Just teenagers. Just teenagers read verse 4. You ready, teens? Here we go. And this I say should beguile you with enticing words. One thing we have to be vigilant against when we're trying to walk with God is enticing words. Things that people say to us that kind of attract us, like stuff like, you deserve to be happy. That's not in the Bible. Okay? I wouldn't put up with that. That's not, that's not in the Bible. Your parents don't understand you. 
Okay, that's not in the Bible. But these enticing words, if I were you, I'd just run away. That's silly. But boy, when you're trying to walk with God, you get all kinds of, oh, you're, you're one of those church people? Oh, you go Wednesday night and Sunday? Oh, good night. This is 21st century. Remember that now. Who does that? I didn't know anyone does it anymore. People go to church on Sunday night? Really? Boy, those enticing words. He said, he said that'll, that'll, they'll mess you up. I don't know who the clown was that said sticks and stones would break my bones. But some of those words, he said, that's going to be, a, that's going to be vigilant. When you're walking with God, you've got to be careful. Paul understood it, and he talked to the church at Galatia. He said, look, you did run well. Who did hinder you? Who's messing with you? Who's talking to you? Who are you listening to? He said to the church at Corinth, he said, be not deceived. Evil communications. You start talking the wrong kind of person, it will corrupt good manners. People that get squirrely in their doctrine and squirrely in their conduct and squirrely in their practice, there's almost always somebody. A young person that goes off into sin, almost always they got a bad friend. Old people that go away from God, they almost always have someone talking to them. Sometimes it's their kids, their adult children. Sometimes it's their brother, or their sister, or their neighbor, and we just, we, can't, we just keep listening to it. It's, it's an enemy to walking with God. He said, be careful for, for, for enticing words. And then chapter 2, verse number 8 is our last thought. Let's look at it together. Can we read it all together? Beware lest any man... After traditions... So the Bible's going to tell us, here's some other things. He said, look, I, beware, lest you get spoiled, you get stolen. See, whenever we, we don't walk with God, we think we're winning, but we're losing. <laughs> we're getting spoiled. Like, a, like a, a soldiers or an army would go in and just pillage a community. That's what's happening to us when we don't walk with God. He said, look, here's what you've got to be vigilant against. Beware, be sober. And watch out for these things. What does the Bible say? The first thing in verse number 8 is beware lest any man spoil you through what means. Philosophy means the love of wisdom, academia. It means intellectual, uh, intellectual uh, strengths or that kind of a thing. Listen, uh, I remember years ago, uh, Billy Graham, and I, there's some things I wish Billy Graham would do different, but I really thank the Lord that he was true to his wife, he was true to his finances, and he preached the gospel most of the time. He had some, some, some areas of his life I think he compromised on, but how thankful I am. But he got invited to go, if I'm not mistaken, to Cambridge. And he went in there, and, and uh, he, they invited him to speak for five, uh, five or four services. I can't remember which one. I think it was five. And he prepared heavily because he knew some of the road scholars, the brightest minds of the day were in there. And this was in, his, this was in the, uh, the early 60s, late 50s. I think it was 1956, if I'm not mistaken. And he got invited there, and, and he tried really hard to study and to say stuff academically. They were very, used big words, used, uh, you know, complex concepts to get the gospel out. No movement. No one responded. Very few responded. God dealt with him, he says, and he says that God dealt with him. And, and, the, and the fourth night and the fifth night he preached, God says, look, 
They don't need somebody to be intellectual with them. They need someone to give them the pure gospel. Simple. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. He said, he said for the next two nights, he preached simplistic gospel messages. 400 young people responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ in Cambridge, England. With just simple truth. I think sometimes we get all impressed with academia. And the lover of knowledge. The lover of stuff. And I think we ought to work. I was talking to a man today. And, and uh, I, 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 he just wanted to talk about different things. And I'm not upset with him. He's a good person. And not yet saved. But, but just, you know, just talking to me about things he had learned. And I wanted to think to myself, man, much learning hath made thee mad. He said, wow, knowledge is power, knowledge is power. I said, also knowledge puffeth up. And it takes away opportunities to listen sometimes. Because pride doesn't get it. But I think oftentimes that, that he says, don't be deceived. Don't be spoiled by philosophies. By vain deceit, basically empty lies. You know, the devil's tool to get to us is a lie. You would be happier if you were married to her, married to him. That's a lie. You know, hey, you're a man, you're a woman, you got needs. You got needs, it's understandable. God knows, he made you. Boy, all of a sudden we, we start going into all kinds of things, all based upon a lie. It's a challenge. He said, look, don't get spoiled by words. Don't get spoiled by philosophy. Don't get spoiled by vain, empty lies. And then he says, uh, he says, watch out for traditions of men. I like traditions. You like traditions. But oftentimes people just pass on. And, and no one had these problems any more than the Jewish people did at that time. They had 400 years between Malachi and, and Jesus' coming, and a lot of the stuff had gone away from the Scripture. Just You almost ask, why do we do that? Well, because we've always done it. And it, it, it just robbed them. I know there are things, and you pray that God will help me. I want always First Baptist Church of Hammond, for as long as I have the joy to be your pastor, to be a place where Christ is very comfortable. But I also do not want us to be a place of liturgy a place of formalism, a place that we have to do it like this. Because the Spirit of God, He works. He works in, in sundry's way. And I understand that, and I, I know that there are a lot of things, and you guys are gracious people. You're very kind and gracious, easy to, easy to lead, and you're precious followers. I know I do things that aggravate you, and, and, and some things I do things that aggravate myself. But I, I, I also, we ought to oftentimes say, God, let me not get caught up in a tradition, but get caught up in what the Spirit of God is doing in our day, in our time, that would line up biblically with what the Word of God says. Don't get caught up in traditions of men doing things. I was driving by a Greek Orthodox church recently, and, and I've been to a couple of services in the Greek Orthodox, and it just to me, it's just, it's, and, I, and if you're Greek Orthodox, it's not to be hurtful to you, but I just, I'm just thinking, I'm watching all the things that are going on, and if you ask someone, why are you doing that? I don't know. Just what we do. I remember one time stopping a Jewish, a Jewish group. They were in the airport, and I said, you know, I love the Jewish people. I actually have 
some little gospel tracts for Jews that I keep in my briefcase and I try to give it to them when I see them. But I asked him, I said, can you, can you tell me why you have the strings hanging out of your pants, you know? Why do you have the kids like the boys do that? I don't want to be hurtful if it's anything hurtful. He goes, no, no, no. But I asked a young man, he was in his young 30s, he goes, that's just stuff that's just, it's tradition. There's no purpose for it. We just do it because it's what we're supposed to do. Everybody does it. We've been doing it for years. I said, like, like you don't even know the reason? And I don't know, maybe that was an exception to the rule. But you know, sometimes I don't want to get caught up in traditions of men that really have no impact, and they oftentimes cripple us from doing what God wants us to do. And then the rudiments of the world. The rudiments of the world. Just getting worldly. James says it very clearly in James chapter 1. He said, whenever you walk with God, you'll walk with your Bible. When you walk with your Bible, you'll be religious. And if a man say he's religious and he doesn't bridle his speech, he's not benevolent in his spirit and he's not separated from the world. Blameless in his separation. That man religion is in vain. And one thing we have to be careful about, and this is a fight that will always be a fight. It's a fight in our church. It's a fight in my life. It's a fight in our teenager's life. And that is worldliness. We have to be careful about this. Because if we're not vigilant against worldliness, against traditions, against the rudiments of the world, if we're not careful of these things, enticing words, the urge for philosophies and, and academia instead of just simplistic living, then what we're going to find ourselves doing is we're not going to be walking with God. We won't see the value, we won't have the benefits, and we certainly will not make an impact on the society that we have to live in.